Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going on a Tuesday with Steve Popper of New York Newsday covers the New York Knicks. Uh, Knicks lose to Charlotte yesterday, Steve, obviously, uh, 97-87. And again, it really wasn't that close. Charlotte got out to a quick lead very quickly, riding uh, Miles Bridges, who was phenomenal with 20, what do you have, 21 points or 22 points in the first quarter? Yeah, he was... uh, and it's kind of it stings a little bit, doesn't it, for the Knicks? I mean, they had a chance to draft him, uh, and instead uh, they wound up getting Kevin Knox, who now is with the Atlanta Hawks in the Cam Reddish trade. Yeah, don't don't, don't remind them, <laughs> uh, which may explain why some of that front office is gone. Um, you know, there's, there's been you know a lot of reminders about Kevin Knox against Mikel Bridges, uh, uh, Miles Bridges. You know, it's. There, there were mistakes that, you know, were made here. Um, and, and look, you know, I, I, I don't know that Cam Reddish is the solution because he's very much in the same boat as Kevin Knox, a guy who was, you know, touted as having potential uh, and really drafted on that, you know, 10th overall to, to Atlanta. Um, and, you know, everyone is kind of like, you know, here's a, here's a steal for the Knicks. But, you know, you're giving up a first-round pick, which obviously has some value, and you're getting a player who's, who just hasn't proven himself yet. Um, you know, 11 points a game is, is you know, is not kind of this is a difference maker. You hope that to get a player like this who, who, who claims that he thinks he still has all-star potential. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to be proven here. I, I think, you know, with any of these trades, you've got to kind of wait and see see what happens and, 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 and where the opportunities are for him. You know, I think we all, you know, know that he, he openly admits that he, opted out of his deal uh, or asked out of, a, of Atlanta for more opportunity. And, and you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be so easy for him to find here in New York where, you know, with Fournier and Barrett and Derek Rose and Alec Burks, who's a, you know, Thibodeau favorite. So I, I think, you know, it remains to be seen what they get out of this and what he becomes. Steve, uh, Steve Holman, who does the broadcast for the Atlanta Hawks, was telling me yesterday that uh, Reddish wanted, uh, in training camp, he, he made a request to, to be traded that far back. Uh, so now you say, well, if he made that request then, his mind's really not right. His mind's not really in the, in the, in the mood of the franchise. So, you know, they did what they had to do. Uh, what I didn't understand, look, you know this. When you come into New York, you don't come in screaming and waving the banner and saying, look at me, I'm here. And he did. He came in saying, I could be a star. I can be a star. Wouldn't it be a better idea if he came in kind of under the radar? Yeah, it probably would, and, and it is true. You know, he, we talked about that with him about uh, the ask out, and and uh, you know, Nate McMillan, uh, when we spoke to him on you know in Atlanta, he he admitted not only that you know that it had happened, but that 
you know, when people asked why, you know, why wasn't he playing more, this was the reason they knew that he was not, you know, didn't have a future in Atlanta. They were looking to move him. It was going to happen at some point. Um, so he, you know, his minutes were restricted. He, uh, uh, you know, and, and he wasn't going to be a part of the future. I, you know, I, I think there was some, some big minutes he got because of COVID and injuries. And, you know, now that, you know, guys were coming back, you know, he, he was, you know, it, it was going to happen where he's going to lose minutes. Um, and, and I think, again, you know, you come in and you believe in yourself, that's great. But, you know, I, I think, you know, three years in the league of, of not being a star, it could humble you a little bit. Like you say, you know, look, I'm willing to learn here and I want to, you know, I want to still you know, reach my potential. But this is what happens. <laughs> it will be the wrong back at the Knicks and him if he doesn't, uh, I'm sure, you know, if, if he doesn't uh, produce, you know, like Julius Randle could tell him right now that, you know, things that are done and said aren't easily forgotten in New York. Steve, uh, uh, maybe because I watch a lot of Knicks games and I don't see every other team around the league as much, but the Knicks, particularly Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau, complain to the officials frequently. And last night was no different, except I give, uh, I give R.J. Barrett a lot of credit. He said, you know, we get, if you get bad calls, you've got to play through it. Well, what's the complaint? Last night, the Knicks shot 21 free throws and Charlotte shot 17. So where was the complaint? I think the biggest complaint should be is when they get free throws that they make them because they haven't been very good at battling. There's been a lot of games where they're shooting about 50% from the line, which is, is confounding you know, with, with the team that they have and the guys that they have. Um, but it's very, very inconsistent, including Barrett, who's had you know, he had last week a game where he's one for five from the line. Um, you know, I, I think everybody complains and everybody thinks that they're getting the worst of it, every fan base, every team. Um, and Thibodeau, I, I think, for the most part, says it too, that, you know, you just have to play through it. and You're going to get some calls, you won't get others, and, and that's something you got to live with. It's interesting that, um, again, referring to my conversation with Steve Holman, uh, I talked about Reddish, and I said, how would you evaluate his abilities on the defensive end of the floor? He said... He said he really doesn't think he's a he's a great defender, which is kind of curious because let's face it, Thibodeau prides himself on players that play defense. So if he wasn't a good defender before, he better learn very quickly. Yeah, no doubt. And and look, I I, I think he can because that's the reputation that he really brought in to Duke and to the NBA is that he's a shooter and that with seven foot one wingspan and athleticism, he's going to be a good defender. And he really hasn't been. Uh, consistently yet. I, I think what people point to is sort of the same thing that they said about Kevin Knox. You know, the motor isn't always there. And uh, there's something that Thibodeau preaches all the time. Multiple efforts. You know, you're going to defend the three-point line or you're going to defend the paint. You're going to get out to the three-point shooter. And if you don't do those things for Thibodeau, you won't play and you won't, you won't succeed. Um, you know, there, there is no if on that. Um, you know, effort on defense is, is mandatory. Um, to me, it's, it's something we're going to see. You know, if he can waken what, what there is here, and, and look, you know, maybe maybe the trade is a wake up call. Even if he asked for it, you know, a new start, seeing that, you know, he's not an automatic star in some other city, he's still going to have to fight for minutes. Uh, you know, maybe you know, united with R.J. Barrett, he finds something here where where that that clicks and. and and there is no inconsistency of effort. I, I think that's really the key to what they're going to be. You know, there's no doubt that this guy has potential. I mean, 
he was, in, you know, by some services, rated the number one player coming out of high school. Some of them, you know, one two with him and Barrett, and then Zion came on late. Um, when they went to Duke, it was, you know, all three were very highly regarded, and you know, he was the least of the three that year. And there was, you know, rumors of, you know, kind of him feeling like he didn't get his opportunity and got frozen out a little bit. But they went one three, and he went ten in the draft and it's kind of lived up that way since, you know, other than Zion's injuries, you know, he's still, he's still thought of as a freak, you know, freak talent. Um, Barrett has you know, started to ascend the last year or two. And I, I think, you know, it remains to be seen what Reddish is going to be because he has the same, you know, issues that, that, that kind of dogged him from Duke. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Steve Popper of New York Newsday. So when do the Knicks make a trade for Zion Williamson to make it complete? play on the court. I, yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, I, I think that and, and losing, losing a couple pounds will be prerequisites to any trade. What uh, are you hearing about when Kemba Walker comes back and when Cam Reddish will be available to play? Uh, vague on both. So, you know, uh, Tom Thibodeau has, has listed him, you know, first he was out and then he was questionable, questionable, questionable uh, every game and they were saying he was moving closer and doing more and just kind of ramping up his, his conditioning. And yesterday he was basically said, you know, it's in the hands of, of Kemba and the medical people that when he feels he's 100% where he's not going to be, you know, in and out, uh, you know, injury, you know, re-injuring it and sitting out. He doesn't want, Kemba doesn't want to get into the thing of a guy plays today and then, you know, he's out for a week. He wants to know what he has and he has it. Um, and I, you know, look, I, I don't think Tom, He's particularly upset not to have him because he, he, as I said earlier, he really likes playing Alec Burks. He likes what he brings in defensively, the size he has at the point. Um, you know, Kemba showed during his very brief return from, from the benching that, you know, he, he is still what he was before, that he could score bunches if he's, you know, if given the opportunity. But I, I don't think he's still a Thibodeau kind of player. Um, so, you know, he'll play when he plays. And, and I think Cam Reddish, the same thing. I think, you know, they, they say sprained ankle and, and he's got to, you know, recover from that. He said to us that he just about, you know, feels, feels like it's much better and improved. But I think part of what you're seeing here is that Thibodeau wants him to take the time uh, to acclimate to the team, to, you know, go to practices, go to shoot-arounds, and, and learn the system, and learn, you know, kind of get, get on the same page as Tom and the teammates. What about uh, Derrick Rose? When's he back? Uh, again, that's, you know, <laughs> no, no rush for these veterans. Um, he just uh, last week returned to the team, you know, from doing rehab work. Uh, now he's just kind of, you know, he's at least in the gym with, him, with the team, you know, at games and, and starting to do some work on the court, but not close. I, I, would, I would say we're still at least a couple weeks away. Uh, let's uh, you, you look at this. T- look, they, uh, Charlotte didn't have Lamelo Ball last night, and it didn't seem to matter. Uh, but right, you know they're they're in a contest with Charlotte and a number of other teams right now. The Knicks are in the eleventh spot in the East, half a game away from Boston. But you know the good news is, and before the season we talked about the Eastern Conference and how how much stronger it is, how much deeper it is. So, I mean, you can, and here the Knicks come off a three-game winning streak broken last night, but basically they've been playing better basketball. So now the question is, how are they going to be able to handle it? They got Minnesota tonight, and Minnesota is a, is a, is a tough out. Uh, they're ninth in the West. 
Then they have New Orleans, not so much on Thursday. But then the Clippers, Cleveland, at Miami, at Milwaukee. So the schedule gets a little bit more difficult in the next 10 days. Yeah, and then right after that, they've got a, uh, a long uh, West Coast trip, too. Uh, look, I, I think what the Knicks have to realize, and I think what Thibodeau tries to preach is, there is no easy game for this team. <laughs> they can't afford to, to go into any game, you know, including New Orleans this week or Minnesota, think that you know, they have to roll the ball out there and win. Um, this team plays better like last year when, when you get full effort. Um, I, I think anything less than that, and, and they're not good enough to make up for it. They just don't have, you know, there isn't breathtaking talent on this team. You know, Randall is good, and Barrett's gotten better, but there's a lot of pieces here that are role players, and, uh, you know, when, when you play defense, when you when you share the ball, uh, you have a chance. When you don't, they don't. And, and I think that's what the team is. It, 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 maybe it took half a year to kick in last year and, and this year, too. You know, where they've gotten off the slow starts each season and kind of last season they came on very strong in the second half of the year. I, I think that's what Thibodeau is hoping happens here, you know, this season, too. Taking a bite. Uh, you've seen some improvement here, the, the 8 of 11 before yesterday's clunker. Right. Uh, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Steve Popper of New York Newsday. You mentioned Julius Randle. Randle, uh, you know, gave thumbs down to the crowd. That didn't, was not a smart thing to do. Now, is he at war with the media now? He's not been at press conferences six of the last seven games. I mean, what is going on with him? It's hard to say because he won't talk to us to tell us. Yeah. Um, and and when, when he did speak at practice last time, very, uh, you know, he had kind of a scripted answer of, I've addressed it already and that's it. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't explain what he's feeling, why he's doing what he's doing. Um, look, I, I absolutely understand why Julius Randle was upset. Uh, you know, more with the fans. Uh, you know, I think the media thing is just that, you know, he spoke and spoke about his mind and got a $25,000 fine. So he's not thrilled with the league and the, and the media getting fined for being honest. But like I said, be, be, before that, you know, I, I understand his frustration. This is a guy who was second team All-NBA last year, carried the team through the best season in eight years, um, you know, and, and did it willingly, signed for less than he could have, you know, by, by waiting to stay here and be a part of this. And when he struggled a little this year, he got a lot of criticism from the fans, very vocal at the Garden. Uh, look, everybody, you know, Tom Thibodeau said, everybody loves the backup quarterback. And, you know, there's, there's these cries for Obi Thompson getting minutes. And Obi's a, a great kid and a nice young player, but he's not Julius Randle. He doesn't command double teams. He doesn't, you know, you can't have him dominate uh, play for you, play through him. You know, he's a complimentary player right now. Um, and then, you know, when Randall got COVID, you know, people on social media started rejoicing. Um, you know, they were just, you know, thank God, you know, that, that he's out and, you know, Obi gets his chance. And Randall, I heard, saw it and was very disappointed and very upset. Um, look, I would be too. But the problem is, you know, the way he's doing it, it's a war you can't win. You, you will not win it. The fans will, will you know, hold this over for his career you know when you play well you're going to get cheered and every time you don't play well you're going to hear it from them and be reminded of this so to me you know the advice you know the apology on instagram you know you, you hoped would end it even if it was not a willing apology from him uh or from his uh, representatives uh to me it was you know it was the sort of situation that you should have tried to put an end to this and, and put a happy face on it and he hasn't done that you know, 
he, if he wants to do this for the next four years, you know, more power to him. But it, it's, it's not a fight he's going to win. Real quick before I let you go, do you think the Knicks are playing for now or for the future? And the reason why I ask, do you think there's any, and, and I'm reaching a little bit, but you can give me a really good answer, I know. If you got, if somebody came to you and said, the Knicks came to you and said, all right, we want Julius Randle, here's what we're going to give. And if the deal was very sweet, do you think the Knicks would pull the trigger on that? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I don't say that as an insult to Julius Randle. I say more as the reality that they know where they're at right now, that they're not on the level of these top teams. And, you know, it, 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 you know Randle got you, you know, a lottery pick and a, uh, you know, a, a top young player. In a heartbeat, I think they do it. And, you know, I, I think they know what his limitations are. You know, he, he's a very good player, but he's not Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not LeBron James. And he look, he's probably not a second-team All-NBA guy. <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of people in the league who thought, you know, that that was a stretch last year to put him there. Um, you know, the, the league is a star-driven league, and the Knicks don't have that consistent every-night star that you can count on. And I think they're starting to think that on some nights maybe Barrett is more that guy than, than Randall is. Um, you know, do I think they're looking to trade him? No. But do I think that they're open to trading anyone on this roster right now? Probably. That, you know, that's the realistic sense of this team. is They're not there. And until you're there, you know, it's a work in progress for everybody. Appreciate your time, Steve. Thanks a million. And you stay safe. You got it, Tim. Anytime. Steve Popper of New York Newsday talking about the Knicks and where they are. And I didn't get to push him because Steve had a deadline he had to catch up to. Uh, are the Knicks playing for today or are they playing for the future? Because I don't think you can do both. I don't think you can straddle that fence. Now, you've got, you've got a couple of veterans on this team, notably Derek Rose, who'll be back fairly soon. Uh, you know, Randall, I guess, technically you'd have to consider him a veteran player. Uh, and certainly Kemba Walker is a veteran player. Uh, I don't think, when you look down the, the Eastern Conference, you look at the roster, You are they in Chicago's league? No. Brooklyn? No. Miami? No. Milwaukee? No. Cleveland? No. Philadelphia? No. And, and Philadelphia is interesting because no Ben Simmons all year, here they are in, uh, what, the sixth place in the East uh, in a virtual tie with Milwaukee for five, but they've won eight of the last ten, and Joel Embiid is playing at a very high level. Now, having said that, Joel Embiid is also capable of just going out for a couple of weeks with an injury. His history shows that. He's just not in great physical condition. So when you look at the Knicks and where they are, uh, it's not the optimum situation. The Knicks fans, they're going to show up 19,500 every night, regardless if the Knicks are first in the East or last in the East. They're still going to come. History has shown that. And there is no concern about losing the fan base to the folks across the river in Brooklyn. The Nets are better by far. Now, having said that, here are the Nets losing last night. And, uh, you know, they get beat by a good Cleveland team, and they lost it really in the fourth quarter. That's when the game was, was decided, like it is a lot of nights. So the Nets don't have Kevin Durant. Well, that's not a good thing, because he's going to be out at least another four weeks. Well, 
The bad news is you don't have Kevin Durant. You don't have the best player. You don't have the best player in the NBA. But you do have James Harden, and you have Kyrie Irving on road games. Well, the good news for the Nets is that they play a ton of road games coming up, and maybe they can make up some ground. But here's, the, here's a concern, and somebody brought this up, and it's a great point. The Nets are not competing for the top spot in the East because based on what you heard from Kyrie Irving yesterday, he's not getting vaccinated. So that's not going to change. So would it be in the Nets' best interest to not be amongst first, second, or third in the East, but basically start out on the road? Because then you will have Kyrie Irving. But isn't this, it's a hell of a note, really. And when the Nets initially, uh, you know, stood firm and said, well, we're not going to have Kyrie as a, as a part-time player. I agreed with their decision. Totally. I think Sean Marks, the general manager, explained it perfectly. So I had no problem with that. Well, they, they've kind of gone back on what they initially had decided, primarily because it's Kevin Durant not playing, and they need him. So where would the Nets finish somewhere? Look, they're going to be a playoff team regardless. I think that's, that's pretty clear. But the East is very deep and very strong. You haven't seen the best of Milwaukee basketball yet, and they get beat by Atlanta last night, who had been on a five-game losing streak, and, and that was a little shocking, but <laughs> Trey Young gets going sometimes, and he's very hard to defeat. Let me shift gears a little bit, talk a little NFL football, because last night in watching the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, I was wondering who chose up these sides. I mean, you have to be kidding me. The Rams came out and just beat their brains out, and the Cardinals made one mistake after another mistake after another mistake, and uh, Murray was like, what was he doing? That one play where he's being chased in the end zone, and he just throws it over his shoulder to anybody to catch. Well, somebody did, a Ram player, and walked in for a touchdown. Probably the shortest uh, pick six in the history of the National Football League in the playoffs, if not of all time. So Kyler Murray did not get the job done last night. Matthew Stafford did. And Odell Beckham Jr. really played great. They were double-teaming Cooper Cup, which was smart because he led the NFL in, re in, uh, in receptions this year. So here you go. You've got a guy that can kill you, and you did the right thing defensively by double-teaming him. He wound up catching seven balls anyway and a touchdown when the smoke cleared, so, so that's that. So now, you know, I look at, at this whole situation in the National Football League right now, I, don't, I can't say there's one great team. I think you can make a case for Green Bay. I think you can make a case for Tampa Bay. I think now you got to look at the Rams and say, you know, why not? Why not? Why can't, why can't the Rams be in, uh, in the conversation in terms of who's going to emerge in these NFL playoffs? I mean, it's, it's, it's not inconceivable that his Tennessee, who's going to be playing Cincinnati this week, the number one seed in the AFC, they can go on a run. Cincinnati has proven that they can go on a run. Joe Burrow's playing great, and he's got one of the most exciting young receivers that I've seen in recent time in Jamar Chase. But 
I can make a case for Buffalo. I have one concern about Buffalo. They're essentially one-dimensional. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen throwing the ball. Josh Allen running with the ball. Singletary is a capable back, but they don't rely on him very much. They're going to go play Kansas City now. Kansas City's got warts. Okay? Patrick Mahomes, terrific quarterback. Terrific quarterback. Makes chicken salad out of you-know-what. Almost every other pass that he tries. But in Kelsey and Hill, he's got two great receivers. They can run the ball well enough, and they're going to be a threat. So I can't really say, I mean, with Tom Brady, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Everybody knows that. And Aaron Rodgers, ditto. Everybody knows that. So here's San Francisco playing Green Bay this week. And one of those two quarterbacks, or both, Garoppolo and Rodgers, may not be playing with their the current team next season. I don't particularly care for that. I, look, I'm old school. I want to see a guy stay with his team long term. Okay, I'm selfish that way. But having said that, uh, I, I don't know. I I I, I get gotta go a little bit goofy, you know, when I hear things like, I mean, every other play is a flag flying, and it drives me crazy. Let the game go on. There's holding on every play. You can do research on every play. There's holding. Believe me, there's holding. But the officiating is suspect. I don't expect Roger Goodell to do anything about it. Man's making $64 million a year. The owners love him. He loves the owners. You kidding me? Give me the job like that. I'll do it for half to show you what I'm all about. But, you know, when you get right down to it, if you don't have, and you look at the teams that are currently still in the playoffs, Tampa Bay's got an excellent coach. San Francisco's got an excellent coach. The Rams, excellent coach. Tampa Bay, obviously, you know, an excellent coach. I mentioned that. The Titans, Mike Rabel's done, well, I think he's coach of the year. He's done a great job with Tennessee. Cincinnati's got an excellent coach. Buffalo, yes. And Kansas City, obviously. So here's the New York Giants. Looking for a coach. My suggestion, if he's available, would be Quinn. Dan Quinn in Dallas, the defensive coordinator. He transformed a bad defense into a pretty good defense. Of course, talent doesn't hurt. But here's my feeling. When Jerry Jones, after Dallas lost the other day, said, He's got a great roster. Well, who picked the roster? Jerry Jones. So if you're bragging about your roster, then something else went wrong. Coach. So Jerry Jones' son said he's confident that, that Mike McCarthy is going to be the coach next year. I'm not so confident. When Jerry Jones makes a comment that his roster is great, uh, uh, fill in the blanks. So if I'm the Giants, a couple of things need to get done. Number one, they need a general manager. And then the general manager is going to pick the coach. But if Dan Quinn is still out there, I jump on it. Question is, is he going to still be out there? Because by the time the Giants pick a general manager, a guy like Quinn and some other key candidates may be gone.
because you look at teams that are out there that uh, have needs at, at the coaching spot. You look at Jacksonville needs a coach. Chicago needs a coach. Denver needs a coach. Minnesota needs a coach. Las Vegas needs a coach. Chicago needs a coach. And yes, the New York Giants need a coach. Are the Giants about ready to tear it all down and start from scratch? I don't know. It depends on the mindset of the new general manager. Should they be doing that? Why not? Where have they gone? What have they done? They have two picks in the top 10 this year. That will help. But they're going to have to dip into the free agency pool. And I'm not sure exactly how much cap space they have. Now, by contrast, the other tenants of MetLife Stadium, the Jets, they've got about $60 million in cap space. And also two of the top 10 picks in the draft. They've got number four and number 10. Their needs, are, I don't think, are as plentiful as what the Giants' needs are. Yeah, they need offensive line help. Yeah, they need defensive secondary help. But they can attend, they can address that in the draft and in free agency. And they've got the bucks to buy that free agent. The only problem is that Joe Douglas is not a guy who spends money very rapidly. Having said that, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason. Obviously, the biggest news is the, is the COVID and, and who's going to be doing what and where and so on. And it, it's, it's a little unnerving. But, you know, you, you go along with what you have to do. And you just hope that things will work out well. So, speaking of football. Hopefully. Eh, maybe not. Trying to reach Jeff Saturday. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice. Well, we'll try it again. We'll uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get try to make contact with Jeff. And see if we can hook up with him. If not, we'll keep trying. That's all I can do. While I wait for Jeff Saturday. Hey, Jeff, how are you? It's Jeff Saturday, former NFL lineman with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so I'm watching you this morning on ESPN. What was all the routine with the pancakes? Oh, so that's a weekly, uh, so I, I do weekly pancake segment um, there at Get Up, and we always go through uh, some, of the, some of the best blocks, in, <laughs> whether it be NFL or when the college season is going on. And I always put it in and I'll rank by uh, one pancake, two pancakes, three pancakes. Every once in a while we'll have a bonus pancake if it's a great week. But just to highlight what the big men are doing inside the uh, trenches, knocking people around and handling some business. So uh, and this week just happened to cap it off with 
a touchdown after uh, after after he snatches down the defensive player of the year, and Alex Reddick ends up scoring a touchdown for the Chiefs. So, uh, great great morning for me. I enjoyed the heck out of watching offensive linemen show everybody in the world we can do everything they can do, only better. Doesn't matter what position, we can handle our business. Well, it kept me interested in it. I thought it was a funny bit. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Well, let me let me. Uh, Stephen Jones said that he expects. Mike McCarthy to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys next year. I will offer this. After the game the other day, Jerry Jones said that it was a it was a difficult game, bitter defeat and so on. We recognize that, but he also said that he's proud of the roster. Well, who picks the roster? Jerry Jones. So if the roster's good, then something else fell down, namely coaching. So I'm not as confident that McCarthy stays, are you? No, I'm not. I'm not as confident either. I mean, he he does have a good track record. He kept you know Garrett around for what ten years or whatever that number was, uh, even with some some uh, mediocre type seasons. But this one to me was uh, this is a concerning one. I mean, when you think about the Dallas Cowboys and the expectations they had, and you looked at the regression that the offense had as the season progressed, their offensive line is is uh is nowhere near what they once were and it feels like they're in a bit of a regression they played uh really poorly against the 49ers in the playoff game uh Dak hasn't really you know when you think about the Dak, uh cd lamb amari cooper you know even with gallup before he got injured and what the expectations were for there uh cooper ian cooper's relationship or on the field i'm talking about obviously wasn't great i think he had maybe even under 700 yards um so the expectation from there, and then their running game wasn't very good. Neither Zeke uh, nor Pollard, you know, towards the latter part of the season, made any kind of noise. And, and, and that's concerning when you think about the amount of money spent on that side of the ball and then what the expectations for next year are going to be. Like, Cooper might not even be there, right? I mean, when you think about offensive linemen and, and, and what you had to do from that perspective, there's going to be changes. And, and this was a year for them, and they had – you know, when you when you talk about Jerry goes, hey, we had a good roster, but we scored basically 16 points uh, against the San Francisco team and really shouldn't have scored those. I'm going to give you a short field on the interception that Jimmy G tried to keep you in the game. Um, so when I look at that, I, I, I could totally see uh, Jerry saying, hey, man, if I give you all this and, and, and we're not getting better um, – yeah, and it's quick. I, I, I do I do realize it's quick. You know, you didn't even have Dak last year uh, after the injury. And but man, when your when your offense regressed the way it did, I, I told people from about week ten on. Uh, you know, they're not they're not physical and they're not explosive. Howard, you got to be one or the other in the NFL. You either got to be a physical offense or you got to be an explosive offense. Because uh, if you if you don't know who you are, you don't have an identity. You're in trouble. Jeff. Uh- I was doing Monday Night Football on CBS. Matt Mellon was my partner. And Matt used to hang his hat on one phrase, don't beat yourself. And you could look at the Cowboys the other day with 14 penalties and say, yeah, they beat themselves. Absolutely. And that's been a season-long thing. You know, there's a saying in the NFL, uh, what haunts you in the season will probably haunt you in the playoffs. And and that's a fact for, for, the, for the Cowboys. I mean, they led the league in – and penalties, a lot of pre-snap penalties. I think they had eight penalties uh, that ended up costing them a first down of some sort, whether it's giving the other team a first down, costing them their first down. I mean, that's a, that is a ton of, of hidden yardage. 
in games when when you're trying to win. And, and listen, the playoffs, you, you ain't playing the NFC East, right? I mean, I know the Eagles squeaked in and got that kind of thing, but when you get into the playoffs, man, you that, that is that is when you win by the slimmest of margins. You have to find ways to create value. And when you're hurting yourself with, with that type of, of, uh, of setbacks with penalties, man, it's tough to overcome. And so that's an indictment on the entire season. Obviously, that the head coach and what's being um, you know pushed down in the locker room, but they got to get better uh, at that if they want to if they want to have any shot towards the playoffs next year. You know that their defensive coordinator Dan Quinn is going to interview for a bunch of jobs. Is there a scenario where the Cowboys are so afraid of losing him they would fire McCarthy and name Quinn the head coach? That, that was my thought. I mean, I, I don't think you would go out of out of house if that was, you know, again, I, 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 you know, I'm not saying they should or, or you know, but but I, I could cons- conceive that. It, it's not just, and, I, and I, told, I, I said this on Get Up this morning, it's not just him being a defensive coordinator. Like, I, I, I get they had a great turnaround and uh, it was a, it was an incredible season. It's, it's the energy that, that, that DQ brings into the locker room. And, and I, I was – I got a, a chance to see it close up in Atlanta, uh, you know, for the years he was the head coach there. But guys love it, man, and they want to play for him. And he incites, you know, he's infectious in the locker room and incites guys to want to give their all, kind of put their head through a wall, for lack of a better term. Uh, and, and, and when that walks out of your locker room, that is very difficult to replace. And again, it doesn't matter what position or what position coach it comes from. But man, now you're talking about not not only losing a coordinator. But kind of a uh, uh, kind of an encourager and a, and a, and a, and a gatherer of men. That, that's that's tough to replace. Plus, you could also lose their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. Absolutely. Yeah, his name his name has been up, and you know there'll, there'll be teams talking to him, even if it's the same position, a lateral move. There, I'm sure there are teams who are interested in what he's been able to do. Um, I would tell you that the, the struggles there at the end end of the season. Uh, make it, in my opinion, make it far less of a chance for him to leave than uh, than Dan Quinn, man. What what he's been able to do to turn that defense around and the ability that, that he or, or the the uh, the uh, the places that he's put his defensive players in to make plays, man. That is uh, that's been a special that's been a special season for them on that side of the ball. NFL lineman Jeff Saturday, uh, which was more surprising to you? The Rams last night running roughshod over the Cardinals or Buffalo's bludgeoning of the New England Patriots? Buffalo. I, 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 just, I just thought the Patriots' defense, I foresaw I, I, I the Rams. I, I thought the Rams were clearly a better team, and I thought the Cardinals were going in the wrong direction as the season progressed. I looked at the Patriots, and I thought, eh, this will be a fight. Like I, I, I knew the Bills would win. I, I predicted the Bills would win. I thought they would win by more than seven, but man. I mean, the off, the Bills' offensive line, Howard, the last month has probably been the best unit in the NFL. In all honesty, like they like they have, I mean, not the best unit, but but a, a really good unit in the NFL. And what that allows is it allows Josh Allen not only to be lethal with that arm, right, sit in the pocket, wait till somebody comes open, and then throw a laser, but it also allows him to pull it down and sustain and extend drives. And when you look at that game, the first third and three was a called QB sweep. So they played physical ball behind his running. The, the, the next touchdown they come down and score on a third and four to convert, they run QB draw up the middle. 
So what that tells you is if they get the matchups in the box, they get the good numbers, they feel like they, they, they feel like they can sustain drives and create with Josh Allen, not only with his arm, but with his legs. And that has nothing to do with scrambles, right? Like we, I don't even count the scrambles where he can pull it down and, and extend by running and, and doing those things. That that's just you know that, that that's just next level. So um, I was surprised at the dominance of their their offensive line. Singletary got off. I thought Dable, their offensive coordinator, called dang near a perfect game. Uh, had them set up to to, to play extremely well, uh, and that execution was was uh, was very impressive and one that I didn't see that much of a dismantling of that Patriots team. Talking with Jeff Saturday. So now here's Buffalo playing Kansas City. Who's got more around him, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Ooh, that's a great question. I actually think Allen has has the chance to have a better day because he does more – he does more for the office. You know, he's, it's more it's more focused around Allen. So they're going to have called runs. They're going to have, but just like they did against New England, they're going to have physical plays set up for him. He's going to have the scramble stuff available. And then he's got shots, whether it's digs, whether it's knocks. He has shots he can take down the field and be aggressive. And I think when I, when I think about that team, his ability to pull that ball down, uh, is what kind of separates those two, in my opinion, at this point. He's playing and seeing the field about as well as I've seen the last week or two. Um, you know, when, when you talk about playing a Bill Belichick team, and, and, and uh, you know, even the one that he was trying to throw away ends up being a touchdown. That that's he's he's living good right now, living right as they say. So um, I think he'll have a, 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 a bigger game. That doesn't necessarily mean they win. But I think more is, more is asked of him, and I think he'll, he'll produce. Look, uh, you, you look at the, the, the Buffalo secondary. They play their, their good uh, pass defense. Going against, and Mahomes is a guy, I mean, two of the best in the league in Hill and, and Kelsey. But without Clark Edwards-Hilaire against Pittsburgh, uh, all of a sudden you found a guy named McKinnon who produced. So that gives him still another weapon. Oh, listen, Andy Reid is going to find a way. Whether it's Pringle, like like you said, I mean, Edwards Alaire is out, and so now you know now you got McKinnon who's going to go in there and play, and he can be a, a dual threat. And I think they have found their rhythm. You know, even even when teams are playing them and, and basically creating a blanket, you know, playing coverage uh, behind them, which means basically playing two uh, two high safety and, and making teams like making the Chiefs check it down and take the long road. Uh, it's tough to do that in the playoffs. Listen, like pressure, pressure changes your calls. And you saw Pittsburgh start the game trying to kind of play that way. By the end of the game, they're in. You know, they're they're trying to bring bring pressure and create and do. Uh, and that's that's really when Patrick Mahomes makes you pay. And so, you know, when you when you think about this game, the amount of of, uh, of weapons around him, you know, don't just keep it to two. But I will say this: Travis Kelsey matchup nightmare like it doesn't matter who you're playing how you're playing like the the, the flats will be that the flats in the middle of the field will be areas of concern for the bills they'll have to rally the tackle they'll have to sprint down there because when you put the ball in that hand of that tight end man he can do things after the catch that are absolutely remarkable and uh, we know how special hill is with his speed so uh it could be too you, you know I, I love the other guys but make no mistake there's two centerpieces right there. They're gonna to have to have big days. And Kelsey could also throw for a touchdown, right? <laughs> yeah, I love. It. He's a pseudo offensive lineman, so we'll give him a little credit there. 
No, it was it, it was it was fun to watch. So you've got I think it's fair to say, Jeff, that there's not one great team right now in the NFL, right? Right. So right. who's close? Uh, is Tampa Bay? Is Green Bay? Uh, I mean, nobody talks. I, I, yeah, I would have said I would have said Tampa Bay before the before the injuries. Um, you know, the Godwin injury was devastating, and obviously having to let go of Brown. Uh, but Fournette to me was the was the real the real hurt. Uh, but I think if you looked at the teams, um, I think I think Green Bay is probably the team that you would look at and go. I mean, they got a little weakness in the run game on defense. Uh, but they can they can make big plays with their offense. They can run it with Dylan and Jones. Now they have a very good offensive line. They can play it. Um, and then I would say the one that's not talked about, man, the Titans. Like I, they've used eighty eight players and or ninety players, whatever it is now, just an insane amount of numbers. But they're physical on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and they play a style that most teams don't face a lot. Um, so when you start having, you know, when you start playing the, the Chiefs and the Bills, and you know, they, 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 it's kind of like making them play half court instead of playing full court, right? They, 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 they let their big boys, you know, not get nearly as tired. They kind of keep them in, and, and, and you know, it, it, it changes the game completely, right? Like we all play backyard basketball, and it, it changes everything. You can't spray everything out. So I, I think both of the of the one seeds, I think people forget how good they can be and how how well they can play. Uh, so I, I would still give those guys with that week off the uh, the nod on, on, on two teams that could probably make it. I agree. Uh, I think Mike Rabel deserves to be coach of the year. I mean, you, when they lost yeah, Derrick Henry, when they lost Derrick Henry, I mean, everybody said they're done. Well, they're not done. And Derrick Henry, uh, you may see him this week, right? Yeah, yeah. They're talking about it. he has a good week of practice. He'll be out there. And, and here's here's my favorite part about the tie. And I, and I, I completely agree with you. Rabel is the coach of the year, in my opinion. Um, what is interesting about them is they, they take on his personality. Even even when Henry came out, their their offensive run game is still elite. They they will they know who they are and they are not gonna change, right? They they are they are uh, unashamed of what they are. They do not they don't care if people like it, if it's an ugly style of football. Um I, I yeah, I said like their defensive front four can rush the pass where they're Simmons and Landry and they they can get after guys. And then you flip it around, and they, they understand offensively what they do well. And Tannehill can make plays when asked, but they're not going to ask a ton. And if Julio gets back at full strength uh, or is just helping at the play with Ian Brown, I mean, those are matchup nightmares. And, and that's what the NFL playoff football is all about, finding that matchup that you can exploit, a uh, game of attrition. So when one guy goes down, can we expose that? And I think, I think they set up really well for it. You got seven – teams are looking for a head coach of all of the seven to me brian flores was surprising and then i hear from the people i know in miami well he had pro- he had interpersonal relationship problems uh wait a minute the owner stephen ross is there like twice a year how would he know what kind of relationships if he's not there yeah that, that, that sounds like a gm uh like a gm head coach issue right like like something doesn't pass the test there. It doesn't pass the smell test. Like he's too good of a coach. Their defense had really turned the corner. They got a young quarterback. They were bringing along. Um, not sure why he ended up losing his gig, but I'm 100 percent with you. He will have another job. Like rest assured, this this guy's gonna get one of these jobs coming up. I thought he did a fantastic job uh, with 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 that team and how. I mean, when you think, I think he was four and two against the Patriots. 
And when you think about when you hire a coach, you hire a coach to first win their division, right? Like, that, like that's, that's the most important. Because you get a home playoff game, you know, things are going to look up. You're going to have a shot every year. Well, when you talk about being able to knock off uh, the Patriots, and, 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 and listen, the Bills were going to be a tough out no matter what. They're the best. We, we talked about them being the best team in the NFL from the beginning of the season. So, But the, pro- the progression that he was making and the run they went on at the latter part of the season I thought was pretty good. Uh, or not, not pretty good, but pretty special. And, uh, yeah, so tough, tough for him, but I think he'd get the place pretty quick. All right, Jeff, before I let you go, you got Miami, the Giants, Minnesota, Denver, Jacksonville, Las Vegas, and Chicago. What's the best job of those seven? Ooh. Well, I, I would say Denver if you're gonna if you're bringing a QB with you. You, you know what I mean? Hint, hint, wink, wink there. Um, but probably probably Jacksonville would be a job that people would be – because of Trevor Lawrence, because of the cap space you're going to have uh, to develop and grow – and if you look at the AFC South, um, you know you, you feel like you can be competitive, right? You got the Titans, the Colts in it, uh, but you can you, you know, if you play a physical brand of football, you can get in there and match up with those guys. Um, and, then, and then I would say the other job would be the Bears for me, I, I, and for the same reasons, right? You're getting Justin Fields, no different uh, than, than Trevor Lawrence. You're getting a young a young quarterback, so you know you can get your cap right. You can bring guys in and develop. Um, and, and so you, I don't think you have the same length of time in Chicago as I would think you would have in Jacksonville. I think in Jacksonville you have a, you have a longer curve, right? You're going to be around longer. And, and the Bears, they have a better football team overall, so you have a shorter window, but, but you probably have more talent because of what they can do on defense um, and, and their ability on, the, on that side of the ball. So those are probably some jobs that you would be hey, – listen, all, all of them are good. Like, like – you, you you can make the most of it. Uh, you've seen what Zach Taylor did in Cincinnati. You get the right piece and the right guy at, at that quarterback position. Uh, you, you know, all arrows point up. So I think those two jobs with Lawrence and Fields would probably be the two favorites uh, it, just because of that situation. Interesting enough that you didn't mention the Giants, who are, got, who are out looking for a general manager, <laughs> and, and the general manager is going to hire the coach, and the questions about Daniel Jones at quarterback are there. But it is the New York market. Is that enough to attract a guy to want to go chase after that job? Yeah, I, I, listen. I, I think they, they, they. If you're going to New York, you're gonna want you're gonna want a long contract because there is some there. You know, you got issues on the offensive line. You got issues at the quarterback position. Uh, you, you have a lot of questions that have to be answered, and so. Um, and there's been a lot of turnover recently. I understand Mayor was trying to avoid that, but it happened again. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it, it, you know, listen, it's a great job. And to your point, if you do even decent, you're going to get, you know, roses are thrown at your feet here in New York. So, and I, I, as I'm sitting there looking at the East River, right, like like, like this is a place people want to be, yeah. but but they need, um, you know, they, they have some, they got some work to be done uh, from, from a, from a, um, uh, personnel perspective, in my opinion, and, and and to get this thing satisfied. So great gig, but it's going to take you some time. Yeah, and you've got an owner who cares. John Mara is a very uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's a he's a terrific owner from that standpoint. All right, looking at your crystal ball for this weekend, is there one game that jumps off the docket that you say this is must see football? Oh, Bills Chiefs. Yep, must see. Oh yep. my word! I mean, two of the best quarterbacks in our game. Two defenses that are playing lights out and can turn the ball over and can get after the quarterback. 
oh man, like you're like it, you you are. This is made for TV, baby. I, I can't wait. Final question: Your team, your team that you played for, the Indianapolis Colts. Disappointing year. Losing to Jacksonville at the end was hard to imagine. But uh, are they going to move on from Carson Wentz? Uh, I'm not sure. You know, from the from the uh, from the ability to get out. You know, the, you got a first and third in him. You know, so I, and I'm not sure who else is out there. So, do I think that Carson Wentz did enough to to earn or keep that job? I do not. I mean, there's nothing that jumped off the film for me. You know, to me, he had one like extraordinary play or game, and against Arizona that I thought was was really good. But other than that, um, you know, he played good. He played better than he played the year before, but not as good as I would have expected him to play. And so, uh, but but again, man, you and I both know that this is not a perfect world. And, and there, if you're going to fire somebody, you got to know who you're going to hire and how expensive is that going to be. Uh, and, and, and Wentz might ultimately still be the best for them, the best fit. And if it is, it is, you know. But, um, you know, as far as like, did he just take that thing and go, man, we're going to build our team around him, in my opinion, he did not. He did not do that. And so I've been very critical of him in the, in the latter part of the season, even big games against the Titans. Uh, you know, you can't lose games at that position. I felt like he did that a couple times. Jacksonville was not one of them, though. Howard, they got they got beat up all over the field. That was not a Carson Wentz issue. That was a team issue uh, that day. And so, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, if you're a Colts fan, man, we are we 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 we're, we're biting our nails a little bit. We got to figure this thing out because we got too good of a roster everywhere else. Uh, that we felt like we could have made a push and just didn't quite get over the hump. So we got to get something fixed. You blocked for Peyton Manning, obviously one of the great quarterbacks of all time. You blocked for a lot of great running backs. How would you have liked to have blocked for Jonathan Taylor? Ooh, my word. <laughs> I mean, this kid, how did this kid get flat out go? He is an impressive player. Uh, screen game is, is lights out. He reminds me a lot of Edrin in the way that he – uh, he runs low to the ground. You know, the first tackle is not going to get him. Uh, but man, he, he gets past the line of scrimmage. He's going to house it. I mean, he is, he is a special player and one of the Colts and Chris Ballard, man, they hit a home run on him now. He is, uh, he's as good as there is in our game right now. And, and really, have they won more games? He, he's probably the MVP, uh, or in that conversation really, really high, uh, just by the way that he's played. He, he has, he has played to that level. That's for sure. Why aren't you doing games? I think you'd be terrific as an analyst. I, I've had some opportunities, man. It's it's tough on my schedule with my kids. So, but I, but believe me, I'm headed that direction. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I, I've done a couple uh, a couple radio games uh, early on. I love it. It's it, it's a ton of fun. I got to get uh, I, I got to make time in my schedule to be able to get it knocked out, though. Uh, I think you'd be terrific at it. I'm not just saying it. Uh, because I know you. I, I just think you, you've got the ingredients to be something special. I appreciate it, bro. Thanks so much. Hey, Jeff, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate your insight. And most of all, stay safe. You too, my friend. Take care. Thank you. Here's Jeff Saturday. Outstanding offensive lineman for the uh, Colts. Having said that, he's a good guy. more wasn't anything else. We used to have a... Uh, a uh, broadcasters a training camp uh, in South Jersey that the league put on and guys like me and uh, Kenny Albert and guys like that came there to work with players either former players or current players that wanted to get into broadcasting and so we would have 
little uh, little sessions, you know, four or five players in each session. And we'd look at some tape, and the guys would comment on it. Right then and there, I said, when, I, when Saturday opened up his mouth, I said, this guy's a natural. He's absolutely a natural. And, and it's not, not surprising uh, that he's gonna, he says he's heading in the right direction. Completely agree with that. I think he'd be excellent at that prospect. This weekend's going to be fun. Every weekend in the National Football League when it comes to the playoffs is fun. I uh, I agree with Jeff. I think the Buffalo-Kansas City game is must-watch TV. I'll throw another one into that mix, and that is the Bucks and the Rams. I think the Rams are going to give Tampa Bay more than they want. I really do. I think nobody, not enough people are talking about the Rams' defense. You've got some talent there. You've got some guys that can get after the quarterback. Tom Brady sits there in the pocket with a lot of time, and they always say you got to get him off his spot. Well, this Rams defense, you got Aaron Donald, you got Von Miller. These guys can get him off his spot. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, if I looked at the Titans and the Bengals, um, I think Joe Burrow's had a tremendous year. The operative word is had. I think it comes to an end. I think Tennessee has just, just got a little bit too much particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And Mike Vrabel, as I mentioned, has done a magnificent job. So I, I would say that I see Tennessee beating Cincinnati. Uh, Buffalo and Kansas City, I'm not going to predict that game. That game can go any which way. I mean, you got two terrific quarterbacks. Uh, but if I thought there was going to be a high-scoring game, I, I don't think I'll be surprised. I think this game is going to go into the 30s. And we'll see what happens. You know, Josh Allen's having a special year, but Patrick Mahomes, after a sluggish start, has got it in gear right now. So it's going to be interesting. Question about the Packers and 49ers. The team that loses, if it's Garoppolo that loses, is that his last game as a 49er? And if Aaron Rodgers loses, is that his last game as a Green Bay Packer? Questions that will be answered very, very soon. Uh, and, and the only other game the game that I missed, uh, I would say that um, I, I really didn't miss them. But I, I'm, I'm going to say Packers are going to emerge out of the NFC. And I think that uh, Buffalo is going to emerge out of the AFC. And I think it's going to be a tremendous Super Bowl. Super Bowl is going to be Super Bowl no matter what. I think that has the makings of something special. Thanks very much for your time, folks. You stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.